Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Young Adult Audio Podcast. I am reading from the novel The Immortal Mage Chronicles by Maria Grant. I am starting with chapter 15, so I'm about to do a little recap. Um, You guys might want to skip about a minute or so um, if you don't want to hear the recap. But I'm about to do a little recap because I think there's like 20, 21 chapters and I'm at chapter 15 right now. Um, So I think it's a good start um, to do a recap for that. Before I get into the recap, I just want to let you guys know that I am going to be doing a drawing for a gift card. Um, So check out my Facebook page at YA Audio Podcast. Um... I do have some followers now, woo! So, and I'll make a posting on there as well for the people who already like the page. But again, check out my Facebook at YA Audio Podcast. Um, go ahead and take a look at that and just leave a comment on my post once I make the post. Um, leave a comment on the post and I will go ahead and um, do a drawing um, for a gift card. And it'll be like a virtual gift card, um, so you can use it online. One of those e-gift cards. Alright, so now we are getting into the, the recap. So again, we're at like a minute 42 right now, so it'll probably take me about a minute to do the recap. So if you want to skip to about 2.44 or 2.45, I should be starting around then, um, with chapter 15. So, quick recap. We have Calissa. She is a young girl. She's in high school and she was raised by her grandmother because her father was, you know, supposed to be dead, according to the world. Um, And her mother pretty much hated her because she's not very powerful. So, in this universe, um, the mages... Their power is sorted by color. So you have the pinks, which are pretty much human. Like, you don't have any power. Then you have the maroon, which is pretty much, like, basic level power. Then there's yellow, there's orange, there's red, um, there's brown, then there's gray, double gray. So it just goes up. If you are gray or double gray, then you're pretty much an immortal. And immortals are extremely powerful. They absorb energy from all around them. So they stay younger and longer. They're healthier. They're extremely powerful and they pretty much don't die. Um, so that's why they're called immortals. They're just really, really powerful mages. Um, and immortals have to wear what is called limiters. And limiters are just spelled items that absorb some of that magical energy so that they're not emitting it all around them because it can suffocate somebody. Um, so again, we have Calissa. She did her testing and she was in maroon. Her mother pretty much upset about it, wants nothing to do with her. So Calissa is at school because her grandmother's sick. And grandmother's like, look, I don't want you to see me die. I don't want you to see me sick. I'm sending you to school with your mother. So Calissa, she meets some friends. Um, She meets an enemy. She meets a boyfriend. 
Um, she meets a best friend, and now she's just going through the journey of being a high school, plus being a mage, um, and also dealing with the fact that there are mages going missing. Not only are mages going missing, one even showed up dead. And so one of the, her close new friends, um, who's a mage, went missing. She was able to tap on to a teacher's help to perform a really powerful spell known as a blood spell um, in order to save him. And so now we're looking at blood spells, we're looking at people going missing, we're looking at her hearing voices, her father's not really dead, so he's showing up, and he's still suspicious, we're trying to figure out, like, who wants Calissa, is she involved in all of this, why are the majors going missing, who's involved in all this, and it's just one big what in the world is going on. So, yeah, that's where we are right now. That's a recap. And I'm about to get started into chapter 15. It is called, It's Got Good Bones. I told you, Trevor Huffs, I wasn't attacked. I got into a fight because Chase told Peter Jefferson, his girlfriend, had a butt the shape of a watermelon, and Peter got offended. He meant to swing on Chase, but Chase ducked, and I got hit instead. Chase at least has the decency to look properly embarrassed and sorry about his actions that led to his friend receiving a black eye. Chase ducks his chin to his chest, and Calissa stifles a laugh at the sight of her friend trying to make himself look so small. I said I was sorry, Chase whines. Thanks, Leo. Zinc deadpans. You made it seem like he was being attacked for real. He had a black eye, as Leo shrieks. Hardly the same thing as being kidnapped. Zinc glares and Leo huffs. Settle down, boys, Safrina shouts. The important thing is that Trevor is okay. He just can't really see out of his left eye right now, but is not life-threatening. Count your wins. True. Especially after what I just found out, Zinc nods. He goes to sit on the floor beside Leo as they all scrunch closer in Trevor's small dorm room. Well, don't leave us hanging, Abigail huffs. Has to do with my siblings, right? Chase seems to complain. He has a pout on his face. They have been hounding me for your number for the past ten minutes. Here, look at all my texts. Chase shows his phone and Calissa's jaw drops. There are so many texts. Zink nods to Chase, silently agreeing with what Chase was saying. He starts explaining everything, from the cloth, to the vision, to his suspicions of Imani having an elixir, and to the twins investigating the killings. He delves into what he discovered, piece by piece, until everyone can do nothing but stare. This is heavy. Calissa feels her heartbeat pick up and appreciates Leo grabbing onto her hand. So, like, they want Calissa? Chase asks. Calissa swallows the lump in her throat. 
No one is saying that. Leo quickly shuts down the notion, but Chase drags a word out. No buts. Leo looks stern right now, as if there's no possibility for error. Dude. Trevor holds up a bag of ice to his eye. No reason to get all huffy with us. Calissa is a necromancer. While we don't care, it's a fact that necromancers are rare and highly sought after by evil people. Those killers are definitely part of the evil people. How would they even know she's a necromancer? Lear asks. I mean, just looking at her, she looks so plain and average. Yeah, she's not strong either, Abigail adds in with a wicked smile to her face. She certainly doesn't stand out in the crowd, Safrina comments. I agree. Maybe they saw her do something or they're a seer themselves. Calissa rolls her eyes and stands. Look. Calissa places her hands on her hips. You all think you're being helpful, but you're not. You just spent five minutes telling me how I'm not powerful, that I'm average, and don't stand out. I'd rather deal with this on my own. Hey, they meant no harm, Chase speaks out. I really didn't, Leah nods. That makes it so much worse. Calissa shakes her head. Leo, just don't follow me. Calissa warns. She can see the confliction in his eyes, but she doesn't care right now. He stays where he's at and she leaves. She has no idea how the others couldn't see that what they were saying was hurtful. She spent so much time being told she was nothing and embarrassment and irrelevant. Having to hear it from her supposed friends like she's heard it from her mother just makes this thing more painful. If that's even possible. Shaking her head, she fights back the hurt feelings and just starts walking around. She turns down a hallway she's never even seen before on the third floor of the main building and finds a small music room. There's a grand piano in the room along with chairs. She sits on the bench and tests out a few notes. It sounds beautiful. She's been taking piano lessons since she was five. It was always something she knew how to do, but never thought too much of it. Looking at the piano in front of her, though, now seems like a good time to do some refresher notes. She just keeps pressing a few keys until a familiar song starts playing from her fingers without her awareness. Y'all, I'm not going to sing because I can't, but sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. She sings the melody over and over again until a tear falls down her face. She hears the noise and stops playing with a loud clank to the piano. It's her mother who stepped into the room, multiple emotions seeming to battle on her face at once. You sing like your father. Brenda walks over to the piano and Calissa stands and backs up. Her mother touches a few keys. I was the one who told your grandmother to make sure you played piano, developing some skills. I didn't know that. Calissa really wants to flee from this awkward situation that's building up. That song sounded sad. Brenda sits down 
on the same bench that Calissa just got up from. The woman starts to play an unknown melody, but it's soft and sounds broken. I wish I could love you, Brenda admits as she suddenly stops playing. Then why don't you? Calissa feels herself pleading and she hates it. She doesn't want to be the type of person who needs her mother's love to get by. But deep down, she is the type of person. She wants that love. It's a craving she can't seem to feel anywhere else. Your existence is like a curse. Brenda stands up and looks to her daughter. Calissa sees unfamiliar sadness in those eyes before her. I really want to love you, but you have no idea what your being born has caused. Then tell me. Calissa feels desperate at this point. Explain to me what I've done that is so awful. Explain so I can fix it. It can't be undone. Believe me when I say I wish that it were possible. Brenda doesn't say anything more. She just leaves. Calissa feels like she's falling. She feels like she's falling into a bottomless pit. She can't catch the ground and her heart hurts. Falling onto the bench, she leans her head on the keys and cries. Her mother is a different kind of cruel. How could that woman admit she wants to love Calissa but is unable to? To hear the words is more than painful. It's just plain cruel. Babe. Calissa looks up to see Leo enter the room. I went looking for you against your orders. I, I'm not sorry about it because Calissa cuts him off by running into his arms, allowing him to wrap his arms around her waist in support. She tucks her face in his neck and cries, letting him care for her. Did you hear? Calissa acts with a wet tone, tears soaking her neck and sh his neck and shirt. Yeah, I did. Um, I saw her leave, Leo tell I wonder what happened to make her feel this way. I think something heavy happened and is tearing her apart. She looked ready to cry as she left the room. Ready to cry? Calissa has only known her mother as being stern, judgmental, and cruel. Could the woman also produce tears? Leo is right, however. Calissa wants to know what it is that she did to make the woman hate her so much. It's a curiosity. The two stay like that for a little while longer than head their separate ways. Calissa goes to her dorm and cuddles with midnight as she dials her grandmother. She has questions and she wants some answers. Hey, Grandma. Calissa starts. The woman sighs. I think it's time that you gave me some answers. This isn't something I can do over the phone. The woman responds. There's coughing and then silence. <coughs> when you come home to visit for fall break, I'll explain a bit more. Calissa concedes and they spend some time just talking. After the incident, Two weeks go by. No more students go missing. It's actually more daunting than when students were going missing. The true eye of the storm. Larson thinks it's due to the shutdown on campus. However, Calissa isn't so sure. 
She thinks whomever is merely bidding their time until their ultimate plan starts to unfold. The only good thing about all this free time is that Calissa has started learning defensive spells from some girl named Christina whom Zink knows. Also, there's a fall break starting today and Calissa will be going home. She's nervous and excited at the same time. With the lockdown going on, no one is actually allowed to leave for a break, but Calissa being the headmistress's daughter means that she has special treatment. In fact, her mother's exact words were, I don't care what happens, and then waved her hand in dismissal. Earth to Calissa, Chase snaps his fingers. Calissa places down her half-eaten yogurt and blinks. She's sitting in the cafeteria with everyone eating breakfast. She didn't even realize her mind had started to wonder. Hmm. Calissa hums her acknowledgement. I asked what time you two were leaving. Chase leans forward. Lil can't remember. Right after we eat, Calissa tells him. Flight leaves at 12. Yeah, that's right. Lil nods. Larson agreed to drive us to the airport, and from there, we'll just take a lift or something to her house. How safe is that? Considering Trevor trails off and Calissa grows quiet, she is possibly a target because of her necromancer ability. Maybe it's not so safe for her and Leo to be together, but Leo just kept insisting. One look to Zink and she knows he's already thinking the same thing. The safety of it is still in question. Zink did get a vision of Leo being hurt after all. It'll be fine, Leo smiles and dismisses the concerns. And it is an act of reassurance she didn't realize she needed. It will be fine. Just try not to let your bad luck roll off on Leo, okay? Abigail smiles, yet the smile doesn't reach her eyes. It never will. Calissa sighs and stands. On that unpleasant note, we'll be leaving. Calissa glares at Abigail. We will text you when we land. Calissa promises. Be safe. Safrina kisses and waves him off. Don't come back pregnant. Chase winks. And while Calissa, blush Calissa blushes, Chase gets slapped in the back of his head. Calissa leaves Chase and Trevor bickering so she and Leo can get going. They go to their own rooms to gather their duffel bags and then meet up in the front of the drop-off zone. And a black Prius is Larson, who puts up their bags and ushers them in the car. The ride to the airport is tense. Larson lectures them the entire time on safety procedures while Leo spends the entire time gripping onto Calissa's hand. She has no idea why Leo is so nervous when it's Calissa who knows about the vision of him being severely hurt because of her. She's a ball of anxiety the whole ride, only calming down by doing her breathing treatments and trying to think logically. The issue with anxiety, however, is that it's not based on logic. Calissa understands the trip to her grandmother's is probably going to go smooth and that everything will be fine. However, her anxiety keeps pushing her mind to the worst, and Calissa can't even control it. She just has to do like always, ignore the negative thoughts, and apply pressure to her earrings. It always helps calm her down. 
All right, here you are. Larson turns to speak to them as the vehicle stops. Calissa sees people bustling about in and out of the airport's automatic doors. Her heart sinks to the pit of her stomach and she shakes her hands to try and calm down. Thanks for the ride, Leo tells Larson, and he and Calissa get out the car. Trying to breathe deeply, Calissa and Leo get their bags and they go through the check-in and process. They wait for one checkpoint and then get scanned for improper items before being allowed to wait 40 minutes for the plane to board. It's a direct flight, so once on board, they eat their free peanuts and drink their free ginger ales before landing, and it's bittersweet to be back home. Alright, let's do a ride. Leo pulls out his phone and Calissa turns hers on the same time. Checking her messages, she sees her grandmother say she'll pick them up. Uh, my grandmother's here. Calissa stops Leo from finishing the ride request. Huh? He looks confused, and he puts his phone away. Some people passing by bump into them, so Calissa leaves them outside, and sure enough, there is a familiar gold SUV belonging to her grandmother. I'm going to kill her for driving. Calissa stalks up to the vehicle, and the trunk pops open. She places her bag in the back as Leo mimics her actions. They both get in the back seat. Uh, why are you driving? The woman smiles as she gets into a coughing fit. Calissa's heart lurches with pain as she takes in the sight. Her grandmother looks pale, thinner, and older than before. The shirt that the woman is wearing looks like it's a size too big. I can still drive, the woman complains as she pulls off. I have more fight left in me, kid. Hi. Leo looks to Calissa hesitantly before continuing talking to Annabelle. I'm Leonard Olowski, but I go by Leo. Hmm? That Polish? Annabelle inquires. Um, <laughs> not sure. Leo leans forward as he talks. My dad said that the name comes from my great-great-great-grandfather, who was either from Russia or Poland. Apparently the man can never remember, so who knows? Ah, Annabelle smiles. Well, I'm Annabelle Tillman. I do believe you go to my daughter's school. Is she nice to you? Leo snorts and Calissa laughs at him. Take that as a no, rotten egg she is. But she wasn't always, Leo questions. Leo, Calissa looks to her grandmother. No, no, she wasn't. The woman says no more and the rest of the ride is in silence. Upon arriving to the small house, Calissa takes in the familiar surroundings. The same flower pattern couch, the same hardwood floors, the same china dishes in a brown glass cabinet, the same clustered space that made the place feel like home. She smiles. I'll go make tea. Annabelle calls as she waddles off to the kitchen. Well, let me show you around, Calissa pulls on Leo's arm. There are only two rooms in the one-level house. She shows him her grandmother's room and then her old room. The bathroom is last. Finally, they enter the kitchen. I like your home. It's nice. Leo looks like he really means it. It's... It's got good bones. Annabelle calls over her shoulder as the kettle begins to whistle. Now come, come, drink tea and listen to a little story. Calissa gets three mugs and allows the elder woman to fill them with tea. 
I don't really like tea. Leo frowns as he drinks. Calissa smiles at him as she takes a sip of her own hot beverage. Just drink it. Calissa urges. Her grandmother's tea is infamous. The woman even sells it. She spells it to taste like whatever the drinker likes. Um, fine. Leo's really hesitant, but he does huff and takes a tentative sip. He pulls the cup away and stares at it as if it's betrayed him in some way. He goes for a bigger sip. This tastes amazing. It's so sweet, almost like juice. Told you. Calissa winks to her grandmother, who wags her eyebrows and goes to sit down on the um at the brown oval table. Now, no one interrupt as I talk. Her grandmother begins. Calissa nods and feels Leo connecting their fingers together. It started when you were a baby, Calissa. Your father, Orpheus, became obsessed with believing you were going to be powerful. He kept talking about making you a part of his coven, actually. Uh, he started talking about this way before you were born. My friend Zink, he saw that part, Calissa admits. Well, what he didn't see, probably what comes next, Annabelle warns. You were about five months when a fellow seer friend of mine came to visit. He was like your friend Zink, who could get visions without touching an object or a person. Nice, Leo smiles, indeed. Annabelle returns the smile. He met you, Calissa, and got a vision of your future. He saw you being sacrificed to some coven. Well, not just some coven. In particular, it was your father's coven. You were covered in blood. And even crying. Jesus! Calissa gasped. Your father was convinced that you were going to be extremely powerful annabelle reiterates he was planning on forcing you to join his coven kids could tie joining a coven leo shrieks that much power flowing leo trails off and calissa understands when one joins a coven all the powers of that coven start flowing through each member For a child, having so much power flowing through their body at once, that could cause a magical power overload, and it could kill a child. Cover members typically join at age 18, um, 16 being the youngest, which is why your mother, Calissa, was against his idea to begin with, Annabelle continues. We didn't even know Orpheus was part of the coven. When we asked, he grew quiet and just kept denying everything about it. But your mother, what about her? Calissa urges. She was not convinced that he was telling the truth. Annabelle explains. She was worried he might try to take you and have you become part of some secret coven, which will lead you to getting killed in the process. So when you were a toddler, she decided to cause an explosion. No. Calissa covers her mouth. 
She didn't know others would die in the process. Her goal was your father, but Annabelle stops talking. And Calissa appreciates her having a moment to process this information. Her mother killed her father. No. Her mother tried to kill her father to save Calissa. The same girl she hates the most. So my mother hates me because I'm weak. Calissa finally realizes she killed the love of her life, my father, to protect me because he thought that I was going to be super strong. But instead of killing him to protect me, she killed him for nothing. The love of her life is dead and I'm still alive, as weak as ever. But he's not... Leo is... Now the one to cover his mouth. Calissa glares. He's not what? Annabelle's speech has quickened. Is he alive? Is Warfus alive? Calissa glares harder at that sheepish looking Leo. Yes. Calissa's speech is barely a whisper. Annabelle stands in a hurry as she rushes into the living room. Calissa and Leo behind. That's impossible. Annabelle seems to be talking to herself. No, 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 no. Why wouldn't you tell me something like this? Do you have any idea what you keeping the secret has done? What this has caused? Annabelle heads straight for the fireplace and reaches inside, only to pull away with the bag. Is that a hex bag? Leo pulls Calissa behind him and just stares with wide eyes, fresh with tears. This was his favorite hiding place. Because he knew I hated using that damn fireplace. Annabelle whispers a spell under her breath and the hex bag catches fire just as she tosses into the fireplace. Because you can never figure out the flute. Calissa's responds in a quiet voice. She lets a few tears fall down her cheeks as she collapses into Leo's arms. How is it possible that she's responsible for all of this if she were never born? Let me get you to bed. Leo ushers her to her room, and she lays on her childhood bed. Her mind is reeling right now, going through a thousand different thoughts all at once. If she were never born, then her father and her mother would still be together right now. The five people who died in that mall accident would be alive right now. The terrorist that they deemed responsible for the mom bombing wouldn't be in jail right now. So many things would be different. Then there's the fact that her grandmother just might be dying of cancer due to a hex brought on by Calissa's own father, the same man who made Calissa promise to keep his identity a secret. It all falls back on Calissa. It's her fault. Her existence is like a curse. Now her mother is consumed with guilt because she thought she was protecting her daughter from death. Turns out, the woman didn't have to protect Calissa from anything. As a result, Brenda lost her husband and ended up with a weak child who only tests as a maroon. Pathetic. Calissa gets it now. Why Brenda can never love Calissa. Calissa is a reminder of every regret that Brenda has. Just looking at Calissa probably brings Brenda pain. No wonder she drinks so much. No wonder she looks mad all the time. No wonder she's so sad. No wonder she has so much anger. It's just all Calissa's fault. Calissa. Annabelle enters the room and stares down at Calissa. 
I'm sorry for yelling. This is not your fault. But Orpheus being alive is a problem. He should be dead. He, he, he had no pulse when we discovered his body. Could Calissa have done it? Since she's a necromancer? Leo asks. Annabelle looks wildly at Calissa and the teen can do nothing but look away. Annabelle just sighs. Calissa didn't show her necromancer abilities until around 8, so no. Annabelle answers. Orpheus, he must be. No. That's impossible. Annabelle seems to be talking to herself again. She places a hand on her hip and the other hand is holding her chin. She seems deep in thought. My dad must be what? Calissa can't help but ask. Never you mind that. Annabelle seems to snap out of her thinking. You rest and I'll make some dinner. The woman walks out of the room with a heavy cough. I'm sorry. Leo apologizes. Don't be, she tells him. He takes off his shoes and climbs in bed behind her so he can hold on to her. She should know. Maybe now her health will get better. You really think that he was trying to harm her? Leo inquires. If my dad really wants me to join his coven, then getting my grandmother out of the way would be his first step. Calissa hates to say it out loud, but it's true. There's so much about my dad I don't even know. Like, what about his childhood? He never speaks of it. How did he get attached to this coven? Why would he think I was so powerful? Maybe he sensed, I mean, maybe he sensed the necromancer ability in you. Leo tries to offer up the suggestion. Besides, I am positive you're a lot more powerful than you know. Thanks, Leo. Calissa grabs his hand to hold on to, but I seriously doubt that should be true. Calissa eventually falls asleep with tears in her eyes and a heavy heart.